0: Hello and welcome to episode 464 of the Yellow Wild Parts. I'm your host Stefan and today we'll talk about Borussia Dortmund dismantling Cologne for nothing in Cologne and of course we will preview the next game against the relegation candidate against uh, VfL Bochum on Sunday and in between we will also talk about the Giurena transfer that might happen or not happen. For that and more joins me Lars Poilmann. Hello Lars, how are you doing?
1: Hello Stefan, I'm not going to lie, I'm very tired, didn't get a good night's sleep, so I apologize in advance if you have to cut out any of my yawning.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I've, I've time to edit this uh, uh, well enough. So, uh, first of all, apologies apparently the last time I uh, published this episode with just the left channel working. Uh, not quite sure what happened there. Um I will make sure that this episode will be mono and on both ears available. Um not quite sure. Uh, How I messed this one up, but uh, yeah, I thought I should apologize for it because I also didn't find the time to uh, correct the error Um, But uh, last let's uh, just get to the game itself and uh, I must say I Was positively surprised by a lot of things Uh, of course uh, Ian Martin having a nice tactical wrinkle Uh, (laughs) It's a little debate on on Twitter, whether it was Shine's idea or Tessich's idea, uh, who really is to say? But um, last, what did you think about him playing like an inverted fullback role through, I would say, half half the time of the game?
1: Yeah, I mean, basically in possession, which I suppose is how that um, role functions. I think it's been all the rage for a few months now, especially in the Premier League. Uh, Man City doing that quite often. Liverpool at times. Arsenal. So having such a technically proficient player on uh, the left wing obviously allows you to do that. I don't think there's anyone else at Dortmund whom you would be reasonably comfortable in, in that sort of role. Maybe big, maybe uh, Matteo Morre, just from a you know te- technical standpoint. But um, I don't know if. It's necessarily important who came up with it. It was certainly a good idea against an opponent which you knew you were fairly likely to dominate in terms of possession, which I never actually looked up the numbers, but I think they probably did um and yeah, I don't know if I was necessarily as positively surprised as you were because quite frankly i thought the first half especially was quite poor from both teams and then um the first 15 or whatever Well, i
0: said there were positive surprises because i'll be honest i i expected very a a very similar game to the dumb shot match and so little improvements are already surprising me (laughs) i don't know if i would classify this as a great performance
1: i mean clearly it wasn't um especially the first spell after the halftime break. Um, they were a, a bit open at the back. Um, I think a better team than Cologne probably would have punished them. I mean, there was the big chance for, uh, I think, Thielmann, where uh, Kobe saved a one-on-one, where I think Hendry Blanc, on his debut, possibly made a bit of a positioning error, which... Fair enough. He's 19 Bundesliga debut. So, uh, some growing pains to be expected. And then, uh, Cologne also hit the post in a weird situation where I think outside of the guy taking the shot, most players thought, uh, a free kick had been given. Um, that's also the impression I got on while watching on TV. I was pretty sure that, um, uh, the referee had blown his whistle, but he didn't. So big let off for Dortmund. And then I don't know how much later, um, The second goal happened and that basically decided the game, I think, given Cologne's struggles, um, you know, having scored 11 goals in the first half of the season, uh, they were never going to come back from two goals down against Dortmund. And from then on, I think it was a fairly uh, solid sovereign, as we would say, in German performance from Dortmund, but just (laughs) after the second goal.
0: Yeah, no, I I would agree with that. Uh... I thought that uh, it was, first of all, nice to see a, a set-piece routine work out for the Black and Yellows because that, took, that did look like something they they studied or, or trained on a training ground. So, good for them. And, um, yeah. Uh, do you think it was a penalty or a dive by Jaden Sancho uh, when uh, he was brought down? I, th- I actually thought it was a penalty, but uh, I feel like if I was on the other side I would I would be complaining against it so um I think you said so on on Twitter that VAR won't overturn this decision either way and I think that's probably right um
1: yeah basically to me this is one of those if we can you know take um an NFL analogy so to speak uh, that call was going to stand or whatever it was um I think you couldn't certainly make the argument that uh, the defender held on to Sancho, just that sp- uh, split second too long, which, you know, quite dumb. He's not going to uh, towards goal immediately anyway. It's not like there's a huge chance you have to, um, you know, take the emergency exit, as we would also say in German. Um, and <laughs> that, and at the same time, I think you can definitely also make the argument that uh, Sancho made a bit more out of it than it should have been. Given you know the intensity of of contact and all that, um, I think, as I said, if the referee says that's not enough, I I would say fair enough. If he says defender, um, you are just plain stupid in this moment, so I'm going to punish you. That's also fair enough to me. So, um, while we would always like consistency from referees, I think this is just one where the guy makes a judgment call and. It's neither one hundred percent wrong nor one hundred percent right, so let's just stick with um you know the call on the field and the only thing i'll i add is that I'm pretty sure a player like Karim uh feels a bit um hard done by because there's been much more um obvious let's say fouls and not just you know dumb defenders uh towards him, and he hasn't gotten those calls, maybe it's you know, the Sunshine effect or or maybe just the referee, um, you know, having Dortmund glasses on in that moment, if you will.
0: Well, I mean, as someone who is watching the NBA a lot, and shout out to Joel Embiid for scoring 70 points uh, the other day because I was in the arena and it was a really special um, occasion. Um, there is certainly something like a superstar whistle. Um, I think we've complained about it uh, uh at length but uh <laughs> i i think uh jain sancho c- certainly has something like that going for him uh right now and uh, good for him i guess uh good, and good for dortmund of course um because yeah as as you said that uh, J- uh, adimi 100% would have not gotten this call he definitely would have rather been booked for a dive than gotten a, a penalty call there um also interesting that uh the pecking order of who's to take the penalty is uh, now more set in stone than ever at, at Dortmund after the uh, match day that never happened. <laughs> so Füllkrug uh, did uh, not allow James Sancho to score his first goal for Dortmund since his return, but uh, started away accidentally. I liked a little hezy Um, back in the day, I didn't like it because uh, I feel like I've seen them go wrong too many times. But I thought uh, it was a well-executed goal, and um, yeah, of course uh After we talk about the second goal, I think um we of course have to talk about the the third goal and the outrageous pass from from Ian martin uh, just after he lost the ball, recovered it, and then uh, he said it himself in the post game interview that it was one of those moments where you don't think just do, and the way he found Marlon with this pass um i I don't know really how to describe it uh how how I was in my, my own feelings, but uh, it really felt like uh, like a sip of water after a long uh, walk through the desert, for sure. Because I don't recall many of those kind of passes, these Hollywood passes that I just absolutely love um, in in recent memory. And uh, for him to whip out like one like this was certainly unexpected. And the uh, the fact that it wasn't even offside even closer being offside and Marlon to, to slot it away uh, made me just really really happy um, that to me was certainly one of my favourite moments of this game uh, I don't know Lars if if you thought that that Ian Martin had this kind of uh, pass in him
1: Well I'll be the first to tell you that I don't religiously watch Burnley um, where he spent <laughs> uh, last season on on loan uh, from Chelsea when they were promoted to uh, the Premier League, and then obviously he barely played for Chelsea the first half of this season. So uh, my prior knowledge of his quite limited. So I wouldn't necessarily say that I was one hundred percent aware of his passing range. Um, and while I don't want to be like, you know, the wet blanket or whatever. Um, <laughs> it kind of feels don't like. Be
0: the wet blanket. It kind of feels
1: like Cologne shouldn't be conceding that goal. I mean, it, yeah, you are two goals down, and the the issue for them was, I think, that Mar- uh Martin first lost the ball, so um, Cologne they Cologne up, yes. pushed up, and then obviously he regained possession. But still, I mean, um, there was quite a bit of time left on the clock, if if memory serves. So you shouldn't be, you know, all out um, and getting caught on 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 that break. Um, but yeah, that's just nitpicking. We can also uh, admire a, a nice pass and a composed finish by Mahlen. Um Seeing as those have also been at least at times this season hard to come by.
0: Yeah, def- definitely. Uh, so just just kudos from, from my view. Obviously, these are also the kind of goals that Dortmund like to concede. I, I just remember uh the way the Leipzig game went down and how easily they managed to pass the ball in behind our uh, line of defense. So um I'm I'm really not complaining on this one, if if I'm honest. And uh that that all being said, um I also thought that um the, the, the final goal that Dortmund scored was really well crafted. Uh of course uh since then uh Mark Royce had come on uh, Baino Gittens had come on for, for Sancho and Royce, and of course, uh, Mukuku replaced Fulkrug, and I think Giorena replaced Ersheim, which then meant uh, that Zabica uh, sort of played in the more number six role. And uh, I thought we then had a really creative midfield and uh, obviously a, a better flow to the game. And yeah, the way they created this goal uh, was was really nice too. A lot of uh, passes, pre assists for Giorena. <laughs> Uh nice assist for Bino Gittens and uh Mokoku just uh, pushing it over the line like a striker is supposed to. Um you know this is the sort of lineup we the way Dortmund closed the game out is something that I would appreciate more often uh against teams like this. So I could I could definitely see Zabitza starting against Cologne, uh sorry, against Bochum uh in number six, and then you have Reina and and or Brandt and Royce as a as a double in in front of that instead of playing Ashan, um, if I may say so frankly but uh, last after the last podcast I said that in my gut feeling I don't see Dortmund selling Giorena. um how has that developed over the week uh, with all the reports swirling around because I think you have a bit of a better overview than I have
1: I mean, technically speaking you might be correct because it it's all pointing um, towards a loan deal at first, so the selling part might only happen in the summer. But yeah, um, I think at this point it's fairly safe to say that uh, something is very likely to happen ahead of the match against Bochum on Sunday, even. Um, apparently, Reiner himself has already given his green light to a uh, move to Nottingham Forest in uh, the Premier League. Um, and then on today, Wednesday, there were suddenly reports out of Italy and France that uh, Dortmund had also in principle, I think, uh, agreed a loan deal to Olympique Marseille, um, which I suppose is a somewhat more attractive sporting project at the moment, because they are um, in the fight for European sports in in France, whereas Nottingham Forest are in a relegation battle in the Premier League. And because of uh, alleged um, breaking of PSR rules or so, uh, sustainab- sustainability rules in the Premier League uh, Forest are quite possibly going to get a points reduction at some point towards later stages of the season, so um, given that they're only, f- I think, four points ahead of Luton and Luton have a game in hand, uh, that might become a regular relegation dogfight. And then I'm not sure um, you know, how Rainer fits into that because we all know that he's a technically gifted player, um, likes to have the ball at his feet and and all that, but I'm not sure that he's necessarily cut out for, um, you know, Premier League relegation battle. We have to get a draw away at, uh, West Ham or whatever. I don't know if, if that's kind of his, his type of game, but obviously, um, you know, him being American and having been born in England, um, the, the uh, um, integration period is presumably going to be shorter at at an, at an English side so I don't know where he's going to end up I think Dortmund don't necessarily care because they quite frankly know that he's not going to extend his contract and that is only running until 25 as we talked about last week and, and given that it's likely that he's leaving in, in the summer anyway so for them it's probably a better proposition to have two sides vying for a signature because that might drive the price up I think the reports are still, you know, a loan and then a buy option uh, in the region of fifteen to twenty million, which, as we talked about last week, might be a bit below, you know, maybe uh, market value. But uh, that's how it goes with players who are uh, only under contract for another eighteen or even less than eighteen months now.
0: Yeah, uh, that is correct. I'm really intrigued uh, about how this will all pan out. To be honest. Um I I personally do believe that Dortmund probably still need Girena uh in the, in the course of the season even though on his position he does have a lot of competition but uh um equally I I do think alone at this point would be better than uh, um him sort of rotting away and being uh, more disregarded more often than not uh by his coaching staff so um from his perspective a move I think makes makes a lot of sense um but yeah, uh, I think for Dortmund, pretty good match day, especially with Leverkusen beating Leipzig uh, in the, in the last second. The Leverkusen uh, streak does not end yet. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Dortmund have now uh, equaled uh, Leipzig's uh, points record, and uh, Stuttgart are also not far away anymore. So, uh, in in that perspective, those two match days uh, in 2024 really have had Dortmund. Um, Now on to the next game on Sunday, which of course is uh, against Bochum, which uh, Dortmund will host. Um, I hope that Dortmund can at least results-wise continue where they left off and of course improve on the footballing level. Uh, Lars, obviously we expect it from Dortmund, but can we expect it from this game anyway?
1: Who's to say? (laughs) I mean... uh, (laughs) You are! (laughs) um, Dortmund and Bochum. um, That has been a rather troublesome combination over the last couple of seasons since Bochum have come up again into the Bundesliga. But um, I think Bochum might be the most lopsided side in the Bundesliga between home and away performances this season. Not necessarily from a, a points tally perspective, which I haven't looked up because it's Bochum and we don't have to go uh to into too much detail for them but still they are much better at home than away i think i can fairly safely say that and the 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 positive for Dortmund is that uh Bochum having beaten Stuttgart last week um on the one hand as you alluded to is good for Dortmund's Champions League prospects especially considering uh, Leipzig and Stuttgart play each other on the weekend uh, but also um, those were points Bochum probably n- didn't really factor into the equation too solidly. So um, I think they are ahead of schedule, if you like, in terms of the relegation battle. So it's not like they are, you know, uh, hankering for every single point. And which I mean doesn't necessarily mean that they are going to take it easy at Dortmund for far from it, probably. But I th- still think for. That kind of side, there's always a bit um, more of an onus and urgency if, you know, they are really in the thick of the relegation battle and whatnot. And it seems to me that, like, they are fairly safe this season. You know, given that Cologne and Darmstadt and possibly Mainz are just a notch below the rest of the league from uh, the game so far. So it seems to me like those three sides will probably um, play out, you know, the relegation spot, maybe with Union Berlin also in the mix Um, and you know a side like Bochum uncharacteristically perhaps might be safe uh, you know after 29 30 31 match days and I do think that that stuff has an effect but at the end of the day Bochum like to be troublemakers for bigger clubs that's kind of their DNA and it's not been too long ago that they were troublemakers at Dortmund as well if memory serves so definitely not one to take you know too lightly, but ultimately it's the continuation of the first two games of the season, where Dortmund are facing an opponent that is much inferior in terms of individual quality and given that they are have now started a good run, um, especially somewhat solid defensively for the most part, um, you would assume that that's uh, going to continue.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm really curious uh, to see how how Bochum are planning to screw up Dortmund's uh, weekend this time <laughs> to be honest. Um I just hope that uh with the first home match and the magic of the Westfalen Stadion, <laughs> I know I've leaned on that maybe a little bit too heavy in the past, but uh I I do believe that uh with Jane Sancho back and with uh, Ian Martin of course playing his first home game, I I'm sort of hoping that uh, um, at least those two players who have been difference maker, to be quite honest, uh, in, so far this season uh, will once again uh, make the difference. And I would say that Jane Sancho in particular is a player um, that really can be trouble for defense like Bochums. So uh, it's it's not just like ah oh, good you have you back, but actually I do think that. Uh, both these types of, of players um, will make a um, a real difference in in beating a team like Bochum now um, do you by any chance know if Emre Can and Mats are expected to return to the to the lineup um, because that of course would uh, imply some lineup changes here and there
1: from what Ruhr Nachrichten have reported on Wednesday afternoon, so quite a bit ahead of you know the late Sunday kickoff, um, they are expecting Hummels, Zule, and Chan back in the squad, so almost full strength, um, outside of Medjahri, Riasson uh, and Ademi, and Alea obviously, and Benzabani might be back actually because uh, Algeria have been eliminated from from Afcon early and. Uh, ben Sipayini, I think, was suspended for the final group match. So he hasn't played in a few days. So I would expect him to slot back into the squad relatively easily. So, um, it, it might actually be a bit of a selection dilemma, even, you know, <laughs> deciding who's in the matchday squad, which is a welcome, um, Surprise, I suppose, because quite often Dortmund are uh, scrounging up the last few guys, the Samuel Bambas and Henry Blanks of the world just to make up a matchday squad and now there might be a situation where... I
0: forgot to say it during the Cologne segment, but shout out to Henry Blank again because I thought, minus the first minute, he had a very solid performance too. Obviously, also not the biggest pressure on him, but uh, uh, we have seen worse debuts of under-23 centre-backs uh, slotting in for Dortmund's uh, injured centre-backs at halftime. I believe you are talking about Sumaila Koulibaly <laughs> and, <laughs> Maybe. and that uh,
1: dastardly uh, Stuttgart game late last season, which...
0: I don't want to talk about it, which, so... Uh, alongside just, the Bochum
1: game and the match that shall not be named. Yeah,
0: You, you, could, you could have just left it the way I, I said it and just moved past it, but yeah, No. No, I'm a, lit- I'm a literal person,
1: Stefan. I have to spare things out. No, I, I actually think uh, Blank did really well. You're
0: also a literal salt-strayer <laughs> in my wounds. And a wet blanket of reason, um,
1: w- <laughs> which, which is why people like our dynamic on this podcast, I suppose. No, I'm, I'm actually... Uh, we can make a point of congratulating Blank not only for a debut, but as you said, uh, a fairly assured uh, performance. I don't know how much of uh, you know, the blame... Uh, for the, the one situation where he looked out of position to even goes him because as you said that was like uh, a minute or so into his Bundesliga debut so
0: it was a sloppy giveaway by the guys in front of him and who ought also know yeah. better yeah
1: and, and from then on I think he had like I want to say 60 to 70 touches of the ball because Dortmund obviously um circulated possession uh, later in the game quite a bit. But, you know, he, he didn't look out of place, which is the one thing that you always look for young guys making their debuts. You don't want them to, or you don't want to see that they're making their debut. And I don't think you could um, necessarily tell from from that performance from Blanc. Whereas um, the situation you mentioned earlier, that was quite apparent that that was a, a young player who quite possibly was a bit, um, you know, in his head or whatever.
0: Yeah, uh, for for sure. Anyway, um, back to team selection against Bochum. Um, I do expect if Hummels and Jana back is that they will slot back into the team, and I do expect Ian Martin to continue play as a left back even with Ben le- uh returning. Um, yeah. Uh, has Alia even played at Afghan? Do you know? Because I think he was still nursing his uh, ankle injury or whatever it was. Yeah,
1: and, and there's been some reports today that. The injury might have been more severe than Dortmund have let on, which is a big shock. Huh. A big shock because Dortmund are so, never happened so forthcoming in their uh, medicinal uh, medicinal bulletins. Um, yeah, he hasn't played. The,
0: the 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 winners of the JD Power Award and for transparency, <laughs> 2009 to 2023. I don't, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm shocked. Yeah. I'm clutching my pearls. I mean, he hasn't played at
1: AFCON. Um, Ivory Coast aren't eliminated yet because they've changed the format. So uh, you can advance into the knockouts uh, from third position in your group. And I think they are still alive technically in that. So he might not come back to Dortmund either way, but um, he also wouldn't arguably be be able to play anyway. And, and I don't know, I mean, we talked at length about Mukoku last week. Uh, we know how they rate Fülkhoek and what he brings to the table. So it's not like they uh, are in desperate need of a third striking option as of right now.
0: Yeah, I, I, I would agree with you. Um, do, you th- do you think uh, we've discussed the last episode, of course, uh, but do you think uh, Mukoku has earned himself a start right now or no? I don't know what changed from last week. Necessarily. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he scored another,
1: um, goal off the bench. Not quite as difficult, I suppose, because as you said earlier, it was a very nice team move and he basically tapped it in from close range. Obviously, you still have to do that. And it seems like those types of things elude Phil Cook at this point, which, you know, I think is kind of a bit of, uh, uh you know a question of luck for strikers sometimes you just don't get into those situations and and when you are in that spot ahead of goal maybe the pass doesn't come or whatever i think if fukuk had as I said last week if, if he had one of those games where you know maybe he scores two lucky goals then the, the the tides turn and he's he find he's finding himself in the positions that mokoko has gotten in off the bench i still think we know that mokoko is good as a joker Um, as we say in in German football discussions. Um, I don't think Völkrupp is a a good super-sub option, so I wouldn't necessarily change a thing. But what I will say is that um, Mokoko obviously has great memories at home against Bochum, because last year, I think he sort of cemented his spot in the German World Cup squad with two banging goals against Bochum at home in a 3-0 win, which I think was late October, maybe early November and Mm -hmm. quite possibly the last good game Dortmund played until uh, 23 so if Uh. I don't know how much um, Terzic um, you know plays into that kind of stuff but if if there were a situation where you said hey Mukoko has a good record against these he's played well off the bench he deserves a start then maybe it would be against Bochum but then again I I actually don't think you need to change too much Um, you are on a roll right now uh, thanks to in large part you know a soft schedule to start the new year you don't have midweek fixtures right now so you can train and play train and play so it's kind of the time to build momentum and so i'm only expecting slight changes possibly home possibly chan maybe Bino Gitten starting ahead of sancho because bringing sancho on might uh, you know um, turn things around during the game with the kind of reception he's going to get that's possibly a consideration and, and Obviously, you don't expect them to take Marlen out, but Byno Gittens kind of has been a regular starter, so that's something I'm looking at.
0: Yeah, uh, me, me too. Uh, I'm always intrigued uh, when I see the lineup to see which uh, uh, attacking midfielders, if you will, Tetzig or the the coaching staff have picked. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm fine either way, if I'm honest. Uh, I like Marlen. I thought. Um, against Cologne, he had a couple of uh, really annoying uh, moments, so did Julian Brandt, um, but on the, on the flip side, um, they are lethal and can also decide games. And with Jamie Bino-Gittens, uh, I think um, he is also a natural difference maker with the skill set he has. So it's not like when he starts a game that I'm uh, yearning for for other players. So um, either way, it's, it's nice to have a... a Good amount of of depth and and, and players that that can uh, make the difference. And c- considering how desperate are uh, Dortmund are for for points these days, um, I really hope that they can rely on on their attacking prowess because they do have to rely on individual skill quite a lot still. Because um, it's not like they really uh, have <laughs> a, a tactical advantage uh, more often than not. Let's put it this way. But uh, anyhow, I don't want to ramble on too long. Uh, last so. Um, I do want to keep it short. However, <laughs> I do wanted to ask you real quick: Do you actually think that Bayer Leverkusen are going to win the league uh, as of now? Um, obviously, I think Bayern do have a makeup game today against. Uh, was it Mainz or was it Union Berlin? Union. I, I forgot against. Union. Yeah. Um, and. Uh, They could uh, cut the lead back to four points, but Leverkusen do look like they are on a roll. Still, of course, these teams will meet each other in uh, February, I think. right? So um, a long way to go. But I've watched the Bayern game against Bremen. They looked absolutely abject. uh, (laughs) Star piece of that abjectivity, which is probably not a word, was uh, Rafael Guerreiro in, in central midfield, so uh, the 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 petty man in me enjoyed that a little bit. Um, of course, uh, there's uh, you can't take Bayern uh, being abject for the rest of the entire season for granted. However, um, right now as things look, uh, Leverkusen do look like uh, they might uh, win the whole thing. Actually, um, what 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 is your take on the Bundesliga title race, where we are staring at it from afar?
1: I mean, you can't but be very impressed by what Leverkusen are doing. Um I watched the game against Leipzig um and, you know, they were decidedly second best for most of the first half, much like they had been against Stuttgart earlier in uh, the season. I think those two are the teams that gave Leverkusen the most... Uh, to worry about this season. Um, and I also watched the Bayern and uh, Dortmund games, obviously, of Leverkusen. So that's also credit to Leipzig and Stuttgart, I suppose, which are Dortmund's more uh, immediate competition this season. Um, but still, Leverkusen pulled it out of the head at the end of the day. Um, another late winner. And I think uh, if we look back quite a few years now in um, you know Dortmund's history, This is the kind of stuff that gets you going on runs that can lead to titles, Um, especially given that Bayern seem to have some issues. Um, I don't necessarily subscribe to the idea that they signed too many Tottenham players to win trophies anymore. (laughs) But but that's something that people have pointed out. And I I mean,
0: I for sure have. I love. We don't
1: need uh, reasons to feel shadenful. Especially knowing
0: Matthias reads these tweets as well. Yeah,
1: we don't need much to feel schadenfreude towards Bayern, but I think it would be objectively funny if Harry Kane, uh, especially Harry Kane, also Eric Dier, but nobody really cares about Eric Dier. But if Harry Kane (laughs) moved to uh, Bayern Munich in search of trophies and for the first time in then 12 years, they failed to win the Bundesliga and they're already out of the cup. They didn't win the Super Cup one day after he signed for the club. So it's Champions League or bust. possibly. Um, I think it would be quite funny, objectively, uh, if if they didn't get anything out of this season. Obviously, it's uh, very early to uh, count Bayern out, especially given Leverkusen are now coming into um, a few personnel issues, uh, suspensions, injuries. But then again, I mean, they are missing Boniface until April, and it's the kind of uh, club that can go out and sign a proven veteran from La Liga in, what's his face, uh, from Real Betis, uh, Borja Iglesias, um, you know. Yeah, it was just at the tip of my tongue. <laughs> yeah, it's, they they can sign him, it uh, seems, on a loan deal with an option to buy uh, in the summer. And, um, you know, they already have Patrick Schick, uh, but they can go out and sign someone like that. I think that's also... Uh, speaks about the the draw of the entire Leverkusen project, and not least of which, obviously, Xabi Alonso, which uh, who uh, is the the next big thing in the managerial world. So, um, you asked if I think, as of right now, will Leverkusen win the title? I have to say yes. I think so.
0: Yeah, I'm actually with you there, and uh, be- because they, they objectively to me look like the 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 better team than Bayern. If if you watch both. T- sides play football I think Leverkusen look uh, like a better team uh, I'll be honest uh, It's it's it, it just has more facets to it they have more ways to beat you and um, they even have added uh, a set piece threat to their game which uh, is a new wrinkle as well but as uh, Xabi Alonso said after the game this is something that obviously decides a lot of games and uh, Leverkusen were historically bad uh, seasons ago in uh, scoring any set piece goals, and the fact that they are doing that now um, is of course scary. So, yeah, I'm, I'm honest, I'm, a, I'm a little annoyed <laughs> that Bayern once again do seem gettable, uh, but uh, yeah, also shows that uh, a lot of things have to go right, and uh, yeah, maybe at the end Bayern somehow will still win the league again, but uh, Leverkusen don't look like they're fluke right now, and. Uh, so I'm, I'm intrigued to, to at least follow this. I think it's, it's adding some excitement to an otherwise not great Bundesliga season, if I, if I may say so, from my own perspective. Anyway, Lars, uh, thank you so for, much for coming on, everyone out there. Thank you for listening and tuning in, and uh, we'll be back with another episode after the Bochum game. Until then, have a great weekend and goodbye.